Will some people trade real estate using Bitcoin? Yes, maybe it starts to happen, but I still think we're a little ways away from that happening. Hello and welcome to Pillars of Wealth Creation, where we talk about creating financial success with a special focus on business and real estate. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. Now, let's get to it. Hello, welcome back to Pillars of Wealth Creation. I'm your host, Todd Dexheimer. With me, as always, we got Matt Jones. Matt, how are you doing today? I'm doing excellent. It's a beautiful day in Minnesota and lots of opportunities out there that I'm excited about. The sun is shining. That doesn't happen. It's two days in a row, Matt. The sun is out in Minnesota. That doesn't just doesn't happen in the winter. <laughs> this is amazing. <laughs> Gotta love it. That's uh, good. How's the new year treating you so far? Oh, so far, so good. I'm doing some reading and uh, you know, doing some planning for uh, some my next real estate ventures. So I've got a lot of cash in the bank and ready to roll with uh, the next thing that happens. Let's do this, right? Let's get some deals, man. That's a, I'm I'm anxious. I want to get some deals at the same time, right? Right, being smart, being cautious, but yeah, I want to I want to get some deals. I, I was actually talking to a friend of mine uh, today. We were talking about cap rates, and there was a property that sold um, recently at a three cap, and we were just talking about, and this is a B class property you know, decent area, but B class, you know, nothing crazy special. There's some value add to do on it. Right. So that's, that's their, their thought process. But, uh, and then I went and I was looking at all the properties in the twin cities that sold all the multifamily that sold in the twin cities, really pay more attention to the hundred plus units. There was 19, 100 plus unit buildings that sold in all of the twin cities, which is, which is not much, but that's just how the twin cities works. Anyways, uh, just looking at the price per door uh, of these properties, I'm like, wow, it's just, this is just wild how how expensive they are. Um, but then, you know, we were talking, cap rates might be here to stay for quite some time. You hate to say that, oh, this is the new norm, and you hate to say that things are going to go on forever, and they, they, they certainly won't, but that doesn't mean that cap rates won't continue to be low. That's a whole different conversation, but um, just looking at the outlook and how I want to start buying and, and, uh, or continue to buy and into 2021 here and kind of looking at, okay, how, how do I move forward? Aggressive, but not aggressive to where we're going to get ourselves into trouble, right? We don't want to be aggressive to the point where we're putting our money and our investors money at risk, but we don't want to be so conservative that we miss out on deals that we should have bought. And that five years from now, we look back and go, oh, crap, I should have bought that property, right? Because that happens. And, and, and I could look back now and five years ago, I should have bought so many more properties and I didn't. Um, and so how do we correct those mistakes yet maintain being conservative so we don't in five years say, oh my gosh, I can't believe I bought that property. That was a terrible decision, right? So there's that kind of yeah. balance. Hindsight is always twenty twenty. I mean, like in 2009, I thought about investing in some Bitcoin, but I didn't. <laughs> and I kick myself every day for that. Yeah, I think you should have invested in some Bitcoin. I didn't even know what Bitcoin was. So I wasn't even thinking about it. Uh, somebody brought up that. That's funny. Uh, somebody brought that up. Um, I, I thought that was interesting as well. And maybe we'll maybe we'll get sidetracked. We won't even talk about our topic at hand. But 
uh, they, they were talking about Bitcoin and they were talking about Bitcoin and real estate with their passive investors in particular. And wondering if anybody has um, taken, accepted Bitcoin as the investment uh, from a passive investor. And, you know, if they have, did they convert it right away? Did to cash, um, you know, and then also they're wondering if anybody and they were contemplating, would it be right? And would it make sense to take some of the reserve account and invest that in Bitcoin or hold that in Bitcoin? So, and their point was they feel like the U.S. dollar isn't really a great place to have your money. Like, uh, essentially, we're going to have a lot of inflation. And so, you know, if we have a reserve account worth, let's call it $500,000 and it's all in U.S. dollars, in five years, it's going to be worth a whole heap of all at last if we're not making any interest on it. So why not put it in Bitcoin and watch it increase in value or at least remain stable in value? So I thought that was really interesting. I don't know what your thoughts are on that. Um, but I think, I mean, it's hard to say Bitcoin seems so unstable to me, you know, it's mm -hmm. on, on the rise right now, but uh, right. you know, what's to say it couldn't drop uh, tomorrow. Um, I, I don't know the, the whole, the stock market and Bitcoin, it all seems like witchcraft to me of, of like how to predict it. Whereas real estate itself, it's, uh, you know, it's a gambling, but it's a gambling where you stack the cards in your favor. It just makes more sense to me. Yeah. And that, that's, that was my, when I read that, I thought, well, that's a really good, a really intriguing idea. Right. And, and it's thoughtful. It's being thoughtful and we want to mind our investors money properly. And, but then I was thinking about, it, I thought, well, a reserve fund is really a rainy day fund. So it's not meant to be put at risk. It's actually meant to be super safe. And if it makes a little bit less money due to inflation, well, that's maybe okay because it's a safety net, right? It's not an investment account. Now, what we do is put it in a market, money market account. So it makes a couple bucks, not really nothing, but it doesn't even keep up truly with regular inflation. But you know, could you take a portion of it and put it in Bitcoin? Could you take a portion of it and put it in stocks or a mutual fund? Um, the answer is, yeah, you you may be able to. You'd have to actually look at the, the regulations. I haven't dug into it. Um, but really, you want to make sure your investors are fully aware of what you're doing with their money and with that reserve fund. And they have to be okay with putting that safety net at risk, right? That's probably your biggest issue is you're putting that what if fund at risk of volatility of Bitcoin and the volatility of the stock market. And like you said, the Bitcoin is, it's pretty volatile right now. We don't have, we have a very short window of understanding what's going on with Bitcoin. And the understanding at this point in time is it's volatile. It goes up, it goes down, it goes sideways. We don't know. We know what happens to the US dollar, right? It, it's fairly slow moving. It's fairly steady moving. Now we don't know what happens when we infuse $4 trillion into the market within a few months. So I guess there you can go, hey, there's volatility in the US dollar too. Uh, so it, I don't know, interesting topic, but that was really good to really be thinking about that. And those are conversations that you can have with your investors. And quite frankly, uh, 
again, if it hits SEC regulations and if you can do it without, you know, maybe you need a license to, to be selling securities like that. I, I'm not sure I'd, I'd have to dig into it. Um, but that's a way you can actually market and talk to your investors too, is, Hey, this is how we do things. There's going to be some investors that are turned off by it. One, one poster on bigger pocket said, I wouldn't think of investing in your investment or your fund. If you're going to play uh, games with my reserve fee, um, but other people are like, yeah, I think that's a really great idea. So you're going to have some people that are excited about it. Some people are like, no, don't thanks. Yep. And regardless of what you do with the reserve money, it uh, needs to be liquid to be able to, you know, quickly address any concerns at the property itself. Yeah. And I think that's the biggest concern, right? So if we buy, if we um, invest in the stock market, invested in uh, a mutual fund, invested in uh, Bitcoin, what happens if uh, it, that it goes down and we need to access it at that particular time. We do sell, have to sell and we have to sell for the loss. It's not like it's long-term where you go, look, yeah, I get Bitcoin's got volatility. I, I'm a firm believer in the overall, um, you know, Bitcoin strength. And so I'm going to invest in it and it might be high right now, but it's going to go higher. That's my process, my brain. Well, that, that's okay because you don't have to take it out for five years, 10 years, 20 years, right? But if you got to take it out all of a sudden, just randomly because you need that money, well, then you're, I think that's pretty risky. If you're exploring the different ways to invest in real estate, then you've got to check out my new book called Book About Real Estate. It summarizes, reviews, and condenses over 20 top real estate books to help give you an understanding of the full spectrum of real estate investing very quickly. So buy it today on Amazon by searching for Book About Real Estate by Matt Jones. What do you think the likelihood is that people will start buying real estate with Bitcoin? Yeah, I, you know, hard, I, again, like I can't, wrap my head around it yet. Um, I feel like it's so new. I don't feel like it's a trading currency for the most part yet. It's like a, I know people that know a lot more about it and love it. We're probably going to like tell me I'm stupid, uh, which is fine. Cause I am quite frankly, stupid with, with cryptocurrency. Um, but I, it just, to me right now, it feels, mm, I don't, it just, it just doesn't feel like a, a widely accepted currency. So will some people trade real estate using Bitcoin? Yes, maybe it starts to happen, but I still think we're a little ways away from that happening. Now, every once in a while, I see a question in the forums that posed, uh, if you were selling a property and you had to accept either Bitcoin or gold, which one would you choose? Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's an interesting, um, you know, I don't, I don't know. Um, pro I, I probably would accept either if I knew I could sell it immediately, mm. you know, but I'd rather accept just the cash. Why don't, why don't you force them to sell their Bitcoin and then mm -hmm. give you the cash? So I think, you, I mean, as of right now, you just have to have two parties that firmly believe in the Bitcoin in order for that transaction to make sense. Otherwise the, the party that's buying just should sell their Bitcoin and transfer. Right. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense to me right now. It wouldn't surprise me if some point in the future, there start to yeah. be more transactions and maybe some investors allow uh, um, tenants to pay 
their rent with Bitcoin. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how this, the future unfolds. And I think a lot of people are excited about it and thinking that with the weakening of the dollar comes the strengthening of cryptocurrency. And of course, that's what you're seeing play out in the markets right now. I think that's why we're seeing um, this run up in the cryptocurrency is because a lot of people are believing that the dollar is going to be kind of a, or, or paper money is going to be eventually a thing of the past. You know, I don't know. We'll see. Um, not so sure about that, but, but maybe. Yeah. I mean, even if paper money goes away, they'll still be electronic dollars. Still um, electronic you know. dollars. Yeah. So, um, so we were going to talk about pouring money into, um, an investment and not cash flowing. I think we still got a couple minutes. We can maybe hit on that real quick. It probably won't take too long to discuss not cash flowing. What do you think about not cash flowing on property? Well, I mean, for me, cash flow is king. Uh, you know, cash flow cures all ills if there's problems going on, but you've got cash flow, you can ride through any of those problems. Yeah. But I mean, there are certain cases when I might be willing to accept no cash flow or even a negative cash flow if I knew that I was going to be able to sell the property quickly for great profits, um, you know, mm -hmm. then I would be okay with that. Or I'd, I'd be able to, um, you know, do some kind of action in there, which would uh, limit my risk. But uh, I mean, negative cash flow or no cash flow, you're just so much more at risk for the longer period of time if that continues. So I don't think that I've ever once purchased a property that is cash flowed from day one. Mm. I'm not sure that I ever have. I'm trying to think back. There's certainly got to be one case. But when I started investing in uh, single families, duplexes, fourplexes, I was buying foreclosures. So they were completely distressed. They were vacant. Uh, so no cash flow. I had to put 30, 50, you know, hundred thousand, whatever it was into the property to renovate it, to bring it up to livable conditions or conditions that I wanted to lease it out at. And then I would rent it. So that was negative cash flow for oftentimes six to maybe up to 10 months. I transitioned then into smaller multifamily properties. The very first one I bought was a nine unit or sorry, a 22 unit building that had nine units occupied, no cash flow renovated the existing units that were vacant and got residents in those, renovated some of the units that were occupied as we transferred some tenants from the occupied units to the newly renovated units and then started cash flowing. And I've done that over and over and over again. Right now, bought a building, 122 units or doing a massive renovation to the, the building, to the units. Um, and there's going to be no cash flow until we are not done, but until we are into the renovation substantially. Now there's, here's the difference, right? So I'm buying these buildings with no cash flow and I'm doing a major renovation to them. Once we're done, then we have substantial cash flow. 
right? So it's the business model that says we're going to start out with no cash flow, start out right away with nothing, but we're going to increase rents, we're going to increase occupancy, and eventually we're going to have good, strong cash flow that we can count on for as many years as we want to keep the thing. I would differentiate that though from like, you know, because you have a specific plan for getting to cash flow before too long versus a lot of investors, their strategy in New York or California, if they're buying there, is not necessarily to really ever have much cash flow. Yes. And, you know, they're looking for appreciation only. Yes. Yeah. So there's a big difference and that's the qualifying. And I think that's where some investors get stuck because they hear somebody talking about, oh, yeah, I'll buy properties that don't cash flow. And they think, okay, that's okay. So then they'll buy a property that's a negative cash flow, but there's no way for them to make it a positive cash flow, at least right away. It's going to take many years. It's going to take maybe, maybe 10, maybe 15 years. It's going to take increasing rents to hopefully outpace the expenses to eventually be able to cash flow, which eventually it will, right? Because your mortgage stays stagnant um, and typically expenses don't go quite up as much as the rent, but pretty close. Um, so eventually 10 years from now or whatever it is, they'll be able to cash flow. That to me is extremely high risk and, and really lazy investing, quite frankly, because you're just, you're, you're trying to buy something that you're the hope that is going to appreciate. Um, and, you're losing money. I, I just, I don't get the return on investment on that. Buy something that makes a little bit of money at least, you know? Yeah. Hope and wishful thinking isn't enough in real estate. You need an, a, a good business plan. Yeah. Yeah. So, so big difference. I agree, but you know, some people will look at that and I have investors and I get it. Like I have some potential investors that look at the, like looked at the last deal and went, wow, there's negative cash flow for the first, you know, 12 months and, um, you know, month 12 through 18 uh, are basically nothing. And it's not until, you know, 18 plus months into it that you're really seeing substantial cash flow. Uh, I don't really like that. And yeah, I get, I get that. It, it's a different opportunity for people. It's more of a uh, development opportunity than it is a, you know, kind of your bread and butter value add. We're going to put a little lipstick on a pig or we're going to put a little lipstick on something that's already pretty nice. And we're going to hope that we can raise the rents um, by, you know, hundred, 200 bucks. Yeah. And real estate development is a whole nother strategy where you're getting a big payoff after several years um, versus, you know, cash flow along the way. Yeah. What makes me passionate about real estate and about the projects that I do. And one of the reasons why I continue to do the type of projects I do is because I really like seeing the transformation of these properties. I really like taking a property that is just down on its luck, right? That just just has been abused for years, that the tenants are living in horrible conditions that, you know, they really shouldn't either shouldn't even be there or they just have a, a property that's just, they're not being taken care of. I really like taking those properties and 
polishing those properties up, making them something nice, something people can be proud of and actually live in. And, and typically if I've got a property like that, well, that's going to have a big renovation. It's going to have vacancy problems. It's going to have enough issues where we're not going to cash flow. We're not going to cash flow very much, at least for the first, you know, six, 12 months versus just taking a property, doing a little light rehab, maybe doesn't even need to be done, but you know, we can do it and uh, raising rents. That's not as attractive to me as far as like just a, I don't know, um, giving back, being improving the community, you know, just kind of what I like to see happen in real estate. You truly are a value add investor. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I'm trying to add as much value as I can. And it's a different philosophy and not that it's right or wrong. Right. I mean, other people are doing a great job and they've got their own strategies and that's just fine. Uh, just a slightly different strategy on my part. Good. Cool. Um, well, yeah. Anyways, so that was our topic: cash flow, no cash flow. I like uh, I like cash flow as well, just like you. But I'm okay to have no or negative cash flow for, you know, a short period of time. Let's call it six months to maybe eighteen months, as long as we're then gonna start to see some positive upside. Good. Well, hopefully, we've added some value to people in this double bonus uh, episode: uh, two topics in one. I think Going we talked about flow. three or four. Oh, yeah. Well, I, yeah. <laughs> cool. All right, Matt. Well, you have a fantastic rest of the day. Make every day a Saturday. Thanks, you too. Hey, thanks so much for listening. I appreciate you being a loyal listener. Say, I would love to have you go on to our Facebook page and subscribe. Uh, give us a thumbs up. Go on to iTunes or wherever you listen and give us a rating and review. Don't forget to subscribe. Your rating review just helps us push this out to more and more people and continue to grow our audience and hopefully positively affect a ton of people out there that really need this and, and want this. So, uh, the other thing I've got for you is a free ebook on my website. So, go on to venturedproperties.com, venturedproperties.com, and download our free ebook on real estate and on syndication. And I've got some data points in there, some really good stuff for you. So, I'd love to have you take a look at that. It's free, I'm not expecting anything from it. Uh, and, and also, look, if you want some help in multifamily, want some help learning, growing, getting your business off the ground, I would love to talk to you about what it would look like uh, to work with me potentially and see if that's a good fit. So you can go to coachwithdex.com and check that out and uh, we can definitely have a, uh, a call. Thanks a lot for listening. You make it a fantastic rest of the day. I'll catch you on the next episode.